Good morning, this is Dan, and you are listening to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Doing something just a little different this morning. Uh, set up by myself out here in the studios of DTM Enterprises, my little wood shop in the backyard. Uh, just got done this morning with a 60-minute, uh, what we call a power vinyasa. It's a power core on Tuesday mornings. It's yoga. Uh, I don't know how I always wonder about how much I'm talking when uh, we do the podcasts and uh, I know that I, I I let myself be shown in those a bit and I uh, think that's the way it should be uh, like the conversational aspect of the way we're letting somebody's story come out onto these podcasts rather than a uh, monologue type uh, speaker tape sort of way. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was March the 8th, so it's been... Actually, three weeks now, or we're getting really close to three weeks ago, uh, I got laid off of a job that I've been held for 28 years. Uh, fact of the matter is, is, is it, it was not fulfilling me anymore. And, and I know some people will say that uh, you're not really supposed to like a job. You know, that's why they call it work. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I used to believe in that. Um, I just have a full uh, feeling in my heart today that, that my path has changed and and that was something where uh the security of that job uh the uh, joe rogan has a uh motivational thing out that they say the pots of gold that they had around for us the uh retirement the benefits the other things to keep us uh man it's a strong word but to keep us enslaved in that culture uh they just weren't suiting me anymore and uh as and but i will hold on to that security blanket as tight as i possibly can right because i'm too wound up in fear to jump from it and to leave it on my own and um so as uh, has happened in the last four years uh my recovery here i have uh i was pulled from that security blanket uh, my my vision shows me like a telephone pole in a hurricane you know and i'm like horizontal with my arms wrapped around it and uh and i really don't want to hold on any longer but uh i just can't let go and uh my higher power plucked me out of that the following sunday so that happened on a friday march the 8th uh this following sunday i graduated as a certified yoga teacher uh man i don't believe in accidents anymore and uh and that's kind of funny how you know i can i can I can say that with all my heart when I'm talking about something like that. It's actually good for me because people come up after they hear heard that I've uh, you know lost that job. They come up and they say, I'm sorry. And I understand the sentiment of the I'm sorry on that. I certainly do, and I appreciate that. But it's really not an I'm sorry thing. It's actually a blessing to me, uh, much like a lot of other things that I look at that's happened in my, in my recovery life where I think it's something bad. Uh, it turns out to be something good, and I, and I don't realize it. Well, this particular instance, um, I don't know if it's growth or what it is, but I didn't have that instant feeling. Now, obviously, there was some shock after, uh, like kind of some grief after losing something that you've been doing for uh, for that long and the security wrapped around it and uh, a little of the fear about what I'm going to do next. And, you know, this wood shop is uh, taking, taking shape and... and uh, things are happening here and then the yoga teacher training thing and this podcast uh, a few different things have given me some uh, avenues of things to do that were uh, frankly that job was getting in the way of uh, so uh, I've been relieved of that I've been relieved of the obsession to work because this other stuff isn't work 
uh, what's somebody say? Find what you like to do and then make a living doing it. Uh, I believe my path is laying out that direction. So, uh, I get to get up on a Tuesday morning. My father lives with me and he, uh, he was going up to the area where my kid's school was this morning to get an oil change. And uh, he offered to take the kids to school this morning. And um, I hit the, hit the yoga class and uh, decided I'd roll in, uh, set up the podcasting equipment and, and see what would happen if I had some things. I got some things on my mind. And, and, and like that, I think once in a while, since I'm kind of hosting this thing, I should maybe uh, take a moment now and again to let you all in. Uh, get vulnerable a little bit and and allow y'all to know me a little bit uh bob earl's definition of intimacy me being me and me letting you see me so i'll try to do a little of that today and uh some other things that come up just to talk about uh, one thing i can do is talk uh i didn't know i could do that before i really didn't uh i, I smile about it today sometimes wonder if I talk too much so I made a commitment after this yoga teacher training I kind of burned out a little bit you know for five months we were doing a weekend a month which was a weekend was Thursday through Sunday uh, and that weekend that Thursday through Sunday was 28 hours of yoga training and classes uh, across that and then you came home you had homework you had practice teaching you had a lot of other different things to do books to read and, uh, and you were expected to be uh, practicing a certain amount at home and in the studio. And uh, by the end of it, I found myself, frankly, a little burned out on yoga. I was glad to graduate, took a little break. Uh, my body wants that, and it starts telling me that. So, like, uh, I feel as good physically. feels good, period, all the way across mentally, physically, spiritually, as I have uh, in my entire life, really. I'm sure I was in better physical condition when I was younger. Uh, I couldn't have known that because of the other chemicals and stuff I was dumping in myself and the way I was treating myself uh, with nutrition and things like that. So uh, I really do feel like I'm as strong and as healthy uh, in those three pieces of that triangle, mind, body, spirit thing, as I've ever been. And my body will tell me when I'm missing yoga. It will say, hey, you know, and I feel the back lower, you know, I had some lower back issues for a while. They're, they're uh, documented by MRI as part of my part of a piece of my journey with pain pills is uh thought that was a golden ticket for a little while that i was going to have that mri that proved i had the back problem so therefore i deserved the pain pills uh, that didn't pain it that didn't pan out like i hoped hoped it would uh but you know this yoga thing and this core building and like this morning was that power core all the core that's wrapped up into it uh is supports the you know strengthens the muscles around that spinal column and has relieved me of those back issues but just like the rest of these things in like 12-step philosophy have to continue to practice that or the effects of it go away uh everything degrades if i do not continue to cultivate it so my body said hey dan you need to get back on your yoga mat a little more now i hadn't dropped it all the way but i had slowed down considerably and uh made myself a commitment now to you know and i try to set some achievable goals too you know and i'm not going to stand i'm not going to go from where i was and and make a commitment to being on my mat every day 
uh, or being in the studio every day. One thing the uh, teacher training did for me above uh, a lot of things, and, and it's, that's wrong because it's not a ranking, it's not above things. But one of the things that it did for me that I really appreciate is it really gave me a solid home practice. I know how to do this thing now and have the confidence to do it uh, so I can practice at home. I, I lose the heat aspect and I may be able to do something about that. I even like to look around here in the yoga studio and wonder if I couldn't heat it up, at, or in a yoga studio, in the wood shop, and wonder if I couldn't heat it up enough to... Uh, do yoga in here you know if i could try to think of maybe a place to do it and uh i'd have to be cleaning up the sawdust i do that when the podcast come on when i'm going to record i have to uh, clean up the sawdust i just feel the need to clean it up a little bit before guests come over uh don't feel so much that way about my house <laughs> but i do about my wood shop uh clean it up now we could do you know i could probably have six eight maybe ten people in here i don't know doing yoga uh Maybe in the summertime when the natural heat starts warming it up, it'd be hot yoga in here. But anyway, back to that home practice and getting myself the commitment. I uh, made myself a commitment to get in the yoga studio three times a week here, at least, minimum, uh, and get back and get my practice back in hand. It's something that's important to me. I can tell I need it. My body wants it. And, uh, and it just keeps me high energy like this morning. You know, I didn't really want to get up at 5 o'clock this morning to start getting, you know, get ready and go to that yoga. But, uh, you know, at 5, I didn't want to. But... You know, now after I get out of it, you know, you've done done something good for me. I've taken care of me, and now I'm full of juice and energized for the day and uh, ready to roll. And to some extent, that's the hardest thing I'll do all day. I've, I've stretched my body. I've, uh, I've exerted energy. And from there on out today, you know, I get that feeling that, you know, no matter what comes at me, uh, it, it's, it's, it's manageable and probably better than that. So that's uh, something cool. I want to try and start, uh, you know, got a couple things going on where some people are talking about wanting, uh, you know, I think there's a place for men's only yoga around and I don't know if anybody's doing it. I'm not seeing it advertised. I know a lot of guys are a little self-conscious. I certainly was about coming into the yoga studio. You have that stereotypical thing of these, uh, uh, oh, wow. How do I say it without sounding like a jerk? These females is going to do yoga that are going to be somewhat, uh, the, well, the stereotypical yoga gal. And fact is that once I got into it, it's not. There is no, there is no cookie cutter. Uh, it, it's all ranges, just kind of like the same thing as 12-step rooms. You know, it's probably uh, that, that phrase of uh, we, are, uh, we are a bunch that normally wouldn't mix fits in yoga too. But it doesn't matter. You can still have that, those, those, those preconceived notions that that's what it's going to be and and it is a little intimidating to walk into a yoga studio so man if it was maybe just me and uh we could you know let that guard down a little bit and and that's been expressed to me by some guys they want some men's only yoga uh frankly there's another point to this and it's just the distraction you know um uh, yoga clothing can be something that can distract you right and that's part of my discipline in my yoga practice is to uh, keep my, my eyes on my practice and keep do what I'm supposed to do. If you're doing if you're if you're doing and I hate to use that word right those labels again, I'm struggling with this damn English language at some level. Uh, the words don't seem right. Maybe I just can't speak it well enough. <laughs> uh, if you're doing it right, you shouldn't be looking at anybody else anyway. Uh, but. That doesn't make any difference. So that to get you in the door to do some yoga, and that's one of the things about the Y12 that's happening around here in Louisville is uh, it opens up the gates and allows some people to get into yoga, and that's how I got started too. Was it allowed me to get a, into a yoga practice? I have a sponsee I'm working with now, and uh, I can say this uh, that, that 
recovery brought me to yoga and for this guy yoga brought him to recovery and we intersected and are working together now and he's up in his uh ninth step now and doing really really well and uh, watch what a physical practice does to people when they incorporate the physical recovery of your body into the mental uh and you know the mental and spiritual portion of it 12 steps does a lot for uh mind and, and the mental and spiritual right but it really doesn't do much for your body. I always kid around and say if uh, we was rewriting it today, we might want to put a step. And because I, I hate that step thirteen thing, uh, it just bugs the crap out of me to even put it there. Uh, somebody else redefined it for me that step thirteen is actually dying sober. Uh, I like that. I think if I was going to rewrite it today, uh, I'd put step thirteen and fourteen, and I don't know what order it'd be, but it'd be uh, uh, nutrition and exercise. I want to say that word diet, but that's not really cool either. I don't like diet. Nutrition and exercise would be the next two things. And I'm watching two guys that I am had uh, have the opportunity to work with now uh, that have that, have taken yoga uh, and, and made it a part of their recovery. And, and not just a little bit, too. They're doing it a lot. And watching that have that physical effect. And, and, and there's, a, there's a sentence, and I keep my phone by me because I, I – keep a lot of notes in here and things see if i can find it fast enough to feel like i'm not just uh burning uh air time of course who cares really right it's my air time to burn if i want to um it's in the beginning i'll find it quickly here just bear with me it's my time right and yours i don't want to waste your time there we go in this statement he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind it did not satisfy us to told us that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life that we were in full flight from reality or we were, we were outright mental defectives these were true to us to some extent in fact to a considerable extent with some of us but here's the part i like but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well any in our belief any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete and to paraphrase that maybe into our tssr world the 12-step spiritual recovery side of things uh any picture of the spiritually sick person who leaves out the physical factor is incomplete now there's another piece of that too is you can actually i mean i think you can actually find yourself using the exercise to an unhealthy limit or unhealthy point also but um you know i mean that, that starts getting to be yeah um, what they say all things in moderation right yeah um exercise a lot take care of this body feed it well and it seems to operate and like be on you know i wouldn't go down the street if it, joe's gas station down the street had you know a big sign that said crappy gas 29 cents a gallon you know i'd be real suspect to be running down there and getting joe's gas and put it in my vehicle but i'll sure as hell run down there and out of convenience and cheap and, and stop at mcdonald's and put that stuff in me um and and many of the other places so Try to put good fuel in this machine, this vehicle that I've been granted to use for this uh, go around and, and starting to uh, take care of it for in, in a lot of different ways. You know, heck, I sat down and had an Epsom salt bath the other day. I hadn't done that in forever. I just don't do baths. I just, 
you know, and I can giggle at myself like that because uh, some people go, I just don't do meditation or I just don't, I'm just no good at sponsoring guys or any of this other stuff. But so I got to be careful when I'm saying those kind of things, but I just don't, I haven't taken baths and I gave, granted myself some, uh, um, grace the other day and put some Epsom salts a friend that gave me that were eucalyptus stuff and I did a soak the other day and it felt really felt really good um, take care of this body physically put good nutrition in it uh, pamper a little bit uh, get massages that's another thing that I think is good for me and it's more than just uh, somebody rubbing on me thing I do believe there's uh, medicinal benefits in having that that deep tissue massage and moving things around similar to the way that yoga that was my endocrine system in my lymphatic system to uh move and be pumped around in my body so that uh moves these allows these toxins and different things to uh make it to my to the systems in me that that get rid of them that discharge it um so today yeah man i take care of myself a little bit what else i had a bunch of things on my mind and they'll come around uh man i'm blessed with a bunch of cool guys around me these uh fellas and i don't know how many there's in uh home group. I, I maintain the home group list i kind of do consider myself the uh communications director i don't know if it's like a secretary role we really don't have one of those uh, i just kind of adopted it and kind of took it under as part of my service uh i liked doing it and and i do a thing where i keep a bunch of you know i run a couple little um group chats where we're we're on there and and we actually run two and it might sound a little bit funny but we have one that's like for more veterans and people that have proved their uh their commitment to this program um the uh and we have one for newcomers and and you know we have some guys in our group that are uh, professionals in the recovery field too so some of these guys are clients and that's one of the other reasons why i have two of these group meetings these two separate ones because uh, there's a little bit of conflict of interest at times with uh somebody that's uh, maybe a client of one of the other guys you know in a professional setting uh and then that kind of makes it where this guy can't really be himself in in this group he 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 has to you know he can't take his counselor hat on and you know uh, we don't like to bring our work home with us that was one of my problems for a long time man i just i felt like work was in my head 24 7 so anyway i run those two things that's another way i get to participate in my recovery that's different um higher powers granted me some ways to do some things that are uh that just allow me to participate in my recovery in a way that not too many people get a chance to do I, uh, this podcast is another one you know some guys in our group same guys talked about doing this um i hope nobody gets her uh i'll just say it speak freely right calm frank and open uh alcoholics have a whole lot of startup but not a lot of follow through sometimes and you know people have busy lives and something looks like a good idea and you know and it is a good idea right but i'm just not able to uh uh put my energy in that direction you know so you know some you just can't well uh we did this podcast thing and started out with a group of us and uh one guy who actually helped like kick it off really was the probably without him um he don't really want his name mentioned anywhere but without him he knows who he is Without him, this thing probably wouldn't have happened because he kind of like handed me the, you know, he, he took the, he built the foundation. He got some microphones. He found out some programs that we could use to do it. He got it working. And, uh, and because of his life and what he does, uh, wasn't able to continue to, to, to participate at the level he felt that was necessary. So, uh, 
uh, I took over the wheel and have just been kind of uh, running it since then. And that's the other thing, you know, you got to have a point man, right? Uh, running things got by committee makes it awful tough. And AA works somehow or another that way, but um, it's awful tough to run something by committee. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> again, I stumble over my words a little bit. Yeah, you got to have a leader. You just do. You got to have a leader, and you really need a couple like uh, sidekicks, right? You need some lieutenants next to you. Um, so anyway, this is another way I get to re- participate in my recovery, and now I have the podcasting gear, and a couple of these microphones are the groups still, and uh, so I've bought some equipment myself and uh, added to it, and and people are listening, and I'm enjoying it, and we're trying to reach out and get new stories and, and get some people outside of our circle so that the uh, reach continues to grow uh you know we're only going to be able to go so far if we stay within our own little tribe here and so we've uh robin my 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 girlfriend that sounds funny it's almost a 50 year old guy to say girlfriend but that's what she is uh she's another blessing in my life a gal in recovery y'all heard her story but she helps me you know go out and get people and book them and get them in here to tell their stories which starts you know creating a little bit more reach and uh, I'm just totally digging it. This uh, podcast thing is so fun, and, and and hearing these people's stories, sitting across the table from them, uh, you know, and, and actually looking into their eyes, and actually getting to have a piece of the emotion on like a one-on-one level. Even when we have audience members sitting in here, I get to look into a person's eyes, and I can see the hurt and the joy, and you know, all facets of this, and actually get to see it. You know, you kind of lose that. You can hear some emotions on a speaker tape, but you can't really. Uh, you don't feel it so much, I don't think. And same thing if you're in like a meeting or somebody you're you know out in the audience listening to somebody speak. You know, sometimes you can talk and get somebody you know really get connected with somebody, and a really good speaker can do that too. Uh, can can actually connect with the people better. But but sitting here, I'm connecting with these people. When I look into their eyes, uh, uh, you make that heart to heart connection. It's like a hug. And, and another thing I didn't really realize, and it took me, you know, for a little while to realize that this was happening to me, um, a couple hours maybe, I don't really know how long it is after the podcast, I am like emotionally exhausted and need like a 30-minute nap. Uh, I have a come-down period. I'm really juiced up when the podcast is going on and when it's, and, and like for a little bit afterwards, uh, once the, like the... Once I come down off of that natural high from it, uh, I need a nap. It takes it takes a lot out of me. I guess it's. Uh, I talked to my sponsor a little bit about it, and he kind of feels the same thing in his field. He does this for a living, and um, you know, you, you kind of give of yourself. You know, it's kind of an empathetic, um, what's an empath, empathy, where you've actually given somebody some of your your energy here, and and then. When you kind of walk away, it's a little bit like after almost a crash or something, a wreck, and you have that adrenaline dump uh, after after the after the near miss of an accident. Uh, it's not the same as that, but it, uh, it's kind of hard to put into words exactly how that is. So we have these two group meetings. I get to do that. We talk, and guys have you know we celebrate each other's victories. We stay in twenty four hour constant connection. You don't have to um, you know. And yeah, we still have sponsors and we have one-on-one contact outside of the group, but it's just so comfortable. It's like a 24-7 meeting. It's, uh, you know, if you come in and you and you have a problem, uh, the wife just, you and her just got into it, or my son is in the hospital, or 
uh, wrecked my car or, you know, any number, lost my job. The day that I lost my job, one of the very first places, you know, I got to touch base. I know what to do today when something life hits me. It's not to go huddle up. Uh, and even though at the time I still knew in my heart that this was a blessing, uh, there's still it still needs to be dealt with in a healthy manner. It just has to be. I know that from recovery. Things need to be processed, and it's not for me to take uh, make judgments on, on what actually requires certain amount of so-called treatment in order to deal with it. So I talked to my sponsor. Of course, Robin was nearby. I talked to her. She knew about it, let her in on it, and then shared in the group, you know, and let those guys come in and help me. I had a few things in my life that's happened like that, and I'm able to bring it to the group. Uh, and, and, man, it's just a huge, a huge uh, benefit in my recovery. And, 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 you know, all that technology is not for everybody. Some of the guys in there don't like Facebook and Instagram and they don't want to be on social media. And some people look at this group chat as a social media thing, although it's a closed group. You know, it's only us who gets to see it. Uh, you can come and go as you please. You can leave it um, in the one group that's the primary, like the veterans group, maybe, so to speak. I uh, do require participation. Um, a friend of mine, Frank, he said it best. Uh, he said... Sharing personal stuff openly requires a, and this is in quotes, a safe and tight container. So sharing this stuff and be able to be vulnerable in this group, this group chat requires a safe and tight container, which is best supported when all members participate consistently. Because I don't, I don't allow lurkers in there. If you're not participating, and I watch and I know, and there's 30 or so guys in there all the time. Uh, if you're not participating, you know, and I don't require constant participation, but we need to see you around and feel like you're part of the group, right? And uh, that's just a. Uh, that's just a requirement I have. Um, and you can come and go, you know, if you don't want to, you know, that way you're when So that if you leave your, the, the app announces that you've left and everybody knows you're not there anymore. And if you come back, then the app announces that you're back and we know you're there. Uh, you know, I don't want to be sitting around giving uh, intimate details of some kind of thing I got going on when there's some guy over in a corner listening or there's somebody, you know, like a, in, like a, somebody I don't know. Or let's say I know them, but I don't know they're there, right? Somebody's outside the room with one of the, like, an old like a glass against the wall in your ear to the glass listening to what's going on in here. So like that or don't like it, that's the way I run it. It seems to go well. I learned that uh, some of this stuff from that uh, nicotine quitting world. I'm 500 and what is it? Five. I should know that off the top of my head. I'll tell you quickly. 532 days off of the nicotine and uh, did that through website and uh, they taught me a lot about that, how to how to like operate in this virtual world in recovery. Uh, they were doing everything but the steps, so they weren't doing anything to fix their problem, you know. And that's one of my things was uh, they just put down their substance, uh, which you know, I guess if you, you know, there's people out there who can do that. We don't have a monopoly on it. Uh, I needed more, and uh, you know, fact of the matter is, is I'm doing some kind of substance to change the way I feel, and that ain't the thing. What I really need to get to the bottom of, putting down the subject, substance doesn't help me. What I got to get to the bottom of is why do I feel the need to change the way I feel. So anyway, the, the that nicotine quitting world, which I still am a part of, I still have friends there, talk, uh, text my day count to them every day. You know, every day I text out to a certain amount of people and on a couple of these group texts, 
my uh, nicotine quitting day count, which today is 532. And at some point I started putting in my uh, sobriety days, which right now is 1,553. So I, I have a... This morning's text looks like 532-1553, and that's all I do to a lot of people. Uh, I do in some texts, I, I include a little quote. I just try, it seems hollow just to throw that out there, so I'll go out and find some inspirational quote someplace. There's millions of them on the internet, and I'll attach that in there, too. Um, and then once in a while, man, somebody will come back with, you know, most people just send them one number because they're mostly nicotine quitters. And once in a while, somebody will come and they'll have a slash one behind their nicotine quitting and, uh, and I ask them what it is. And, you know, somebody's quitting sugar or somebody's quitting drinking, uh, that, that always, obviously, uh, obviously impacts me. That's, uh, I'm tickled or, you know, I'm touched when I see somebody that is, that is put a slash one and they're trying to do something else you know they're taking some action to something else that uh something in their life is not working for them and they're taking some action to change it and put it down and 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 i say you know my life my experience is is that every time i run into something that's not working for me like that like the day that i sit across the table working with the sponsee and uh had a big dip in my lip. My nicotine thing was mostly dipping. I quit smoking in 2003 when my son was born, but I continued to use nicotine, and I've used nicotine all my life, and I've just changed delivery devices over time. I uh, used one of them vapes for a while. Friends of mine uh, now call I can't help it. It looks at them when they call them douche flutes. Uh, more power to you on that too you know uh please don't think i'm judging any of that you know take the actions necessary to change your life but i was sitting across a guy talking to him about uh improving the quality of your life in recovery and i'm sitting there with a spit cup and a big giant dip in my lip uh, and, and it just hit me how hypocritical it was that i was trying to send this message across the table uh you know it's uh do as i say not do as i do and uh and just hit me and I knew it wasn't good for me anymore, you know, and, and it wasn't good for me, period. But, you know, you finally end up having that point where you go, well, yeah, enough is enough. I'm tired of this. And, uh, and, I, and I found a way to set that stuff down. And it was through these guys uh, that were quitting it online. Uh, they were doing it to fellowship and brotherhood and accountability. Uh, and, and, and I think and it worked for me. It still works for me. Uh, of course, I have a head start. I have this 12-step foundation under. So I also applied step 12-step principles to my stopping using nicotine too so i get to do that and you know next month this is april next month i will host the uh my sixth and you know i do this sounds like me me right and, and i just want to be really really clear that that this stuff is not happening because of me yeah i'm taking some action and i do that but the stuff that i'm getting to do and it's another one of my little tags i stole from somebody and now it's like getting to be uh attributed to me that i get to do these things i don't have to like uh, I, after a little while i get to go pick up my kids from school that's another one of the things that's another one of these blessings for me uh losing that job is it uh opened up my schedule you know and i get to take the kids to school and get to go pick them up uh, when their mother and I divorced, she moved up to, into another district and the kids moved to that and it's a really good school. And then she moved back here and, um, and we just left them in that school. So buses don't come here. We need to, we take them and bring them back and didn't want them changing schools again. And we like that school and they like it. And that's where the friends are at. So I, we do that. We make that sacrifice and, uh, drive them back and forth. I get to take them to school. 
and I get to do this stuff in my life today as a result of 12-step recovery. I wouldn't have this stuff. So my point here is, is, man, even though I feel like I'm doing a lot of chest thumping of me, 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 what I'm trying to sell you in lack of a better, you know, that, and I'm not trying to sell it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a New Albany, Hill, Southern Indiana hillbilly, and sometimes my language comes out that way. Uh, what I'm trying to make the point is, is what this program has done for me. What having the 12-step principles as part of my life and actually investing in it at a level that's uh, beyond my capabilities, really. I'm not even capable of doing these 12 steps at the level that I find myself doing it. This is this higher power and this group around me and this accountability and a great sponsor and an awesome support group. But back to that, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I am not taking credit for this. I will shine my freaking light uh at the end of the yoga i'll fog up a little bit here uh at the end of the yoga teaching class thing they they were handing out these bracelets to commemorate our graduation and and the instructor the director of the instruction uh had something personalized to, to say for everybody in our class i think it was 23 of us that graduated and uh and mine was uh, my bracelet and, and and was infused with the power of the lighthouse and and i was encouraged to I was encouraged to keep on shining my light. And that's the 12-step light is what that is. It's not mine. But that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to listen to that. My higher power talks to me through other people. And uh, and I'm going to continue to shine my light. Uh, this is available to everybody. I am not unique. I sure like to think I'm that terminal, unique individual, but I am not. I'm watching the same thing happens for other people. My buddy Chase, you've heard his story on here too. You know, him and his wife just came back from Venice and Rome, Italy, on a week vacation. That guy was laying out like uh, he's, he'll be celebrating two years in July. You know, a couple years ago, he's falling asleep in the porch, uh, laying shirtless on the outside his door because he can't make it in the house, uh, too drunk. Um, can't make it to work losing jobs wife ready to leave him you know and now he just come back from a beautiful trip of uh and, and i know he won't mind me saying this he's if he, he i don't think he knew this back when he did his story but he shared it right beside me in a meeting last night that uh you know his wife even wants to have another kid with him and, they, and they're pregnant with a second child and uh and, and the first child they have, you know, just had a little bit of uh, he will never know that he's too young. He will never know his dad was an alcoholic or, you know, an active alcoholic. And, and this child won't either. And, and things are happening for him. And so, you know, I know I'll say that to let you know that I am not unique. And I see it all over the place. I could sit here and tell you stories of people in my support group and inside and outside my support group that are having fantastic things happen to them day in and day out. I'm just getting to have them too, and I haven't had this platform to be able to share it with you. So back to this thing. Next month, I'll be hosting. I, I'll be hosting my sixth men's recovery retreat down at our camp out in the country. I have a place we can deer hunt and turkey hunt, and thanks to my dad, my father that lives with me here at home now, um, that uh, I get to have uh, this place out a piece of my personal slice of paradise and we'll get to uh, change the channel on it got a text from a guy i don't know what to do um oh i want to read it really bad because i'm going to end up probably sharing about it a little bit here in a minute uh and i may do that i ain't gonna read it to you all but i might read it before i uh 
<laughs> for lack of a better term, commentate on the situation. And I want to real, be real careful about protecting his anonymity while I talk about it because it's, uh, once again, it's not about him, right? It's about this program and, and the different things and the idiosyncrasies of, of, of applying it in your life one way or another. But anyway, next month on May, in the middle of May, I'll be having my sixth men's recovery retreat down at this place. So, you know, we've had 25 or so guys come every time. We circle up around a fire, we cook, we meditate together, we have meetings, we share outside of the 12-step recovery rooms. There's really no limits. Uh, we don't really play those limits of, you know, um, of what what you can and can't talk to about in our meetings anyway, uh, especially the ones that we have a you know close hold on. Uh, that that anything having to do with your recovery, you could speak on today, and uh, that might mean marital problems, or that might be uh, issues with porn, or that might be uh, losing jobs, or or whatever. You know, uh, that's another thing I love the way Bob Earl says as he goes, uh, you know, who are you to say? Uh, what 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 what's going on in my life and how it applies to my alcoholism or not? Because there's something in uh, in some rooms that says you know you can only share on share on um, share on your problems as they relate to your alcoholism. Well, you know I am the only judge on how things relate to my alcoholism, and uh, and I'll tell you I've shared on one time. Uh, man, I got to be careful. I guess I don't. I started a gasoline motor in my basement some time ago and, and all in all I'd working on a carburetor and getting it cleaned up and I wanted to got it all put back together and I fired up a little generator for a few minutes to see if uh, uh, you know if it was running right and all that and what I, the repairs I did were effective and I went to bed and uh, later on when I woke up in the morning uh, my kids two hamsters were dying of carbon monoxide poisoning and uh ended up that i killed him and i didn't mean to do that but man i took on a ton of guilt and these two little hamsters were the best little hamsters in the world they come from a school they've been handled by 100 kids a week uh they they were just so domesticated yeah I, at times i looked at them i thought they were going to start talking to me uh and you know what man uh you take a guy to his knees man because i was tore up i i was in tears i was destroyed at the fact that i had done this uh, and you know, I went and shared about it, you know, and you might want to laugh about some cu killing a couple hamsters and how that relates to my alcoholism, but by God, uh, you know, um, it did, it, it had an impact on me. I know a lot of people talk about losing pets and, uh, and that's a, that's a big, that's a big emotional swing you have to deal with. So like I said, we, we go out in the woods and we share on things and, and it always ends up being really, really cool experience. And it seems like somebody, at least one person, will always make some kind of big breakthrough in their recovery. Uh, had a guy come not too long ago and one of them, you know, and he didn't want to come, but he did. You know, and how we do, you get drawn in like a magnet, but you're doing everything to fight it. And you've committed to coming, so you feel like you need to, but then you start talking to yourself out of it because, like, man, they won't really care if I don't show up. And and a guy came, and he had some breakthroughs, and, and he even said that he drove, and he he was going to turn around in the driveway, but our driveway is so narrow and, and doesn't really have anywhere to turn around that uh, he ended up just getting funneled all the way down into us, and then he was at the point he couldn't turn around, right, because we saw him. Um, and higher power got him in there, and and so every time we have guys do that well i'll be hosting that six one i got four years of recovery got six of those not 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 attending six men's retreats hosting them now getting better too on letting my friends help me do it too uh so so i get a lot of help from my friends as the beatles would say and um 
but that's another way I get to reco- get to participate in my recovery that I learned, you know how that landed on me I could go back and tell the story on it but that's not really my point today uh, hell why not I can do it briefly uh, my first year of recovery I had an ankle bracelet on and I was you know on home incarceration and it was a big blessing in a lot of ways because when people were having weddings or receptions or parties or football games or March Madness or any of the other kind of things that I would have looked at as a uh, trigger or a threat to my sobriety I had a real easy out on all that stuff I couldn't do it uh, still wasn't any fun uh, actually it was a lot of fun <laughs> but being on home incarceration is not fun being limited we don't none of us like to be uh, hooked on a chain and and the group was having a day retreat down at a place in the next county down down the line and uh, it was a county I wasn't allowed to go to and I tried to get my um, home incarceration folks to allow me to go and they wouldn't uh, wouldn't let me go and the next years it rolled around and I was thinking the whole time and they were talking about trying to find a place maybe they could spend a night and they were getting bumped into by people because it was a public area and um, just wasn't real comfortable having that happen and uh, I knew I had that place out there, and I brought it up, and then uh, went ahead and hosted and planned it, and have held my first one at, uh, you know, I don't know what I was, 14 months sober or something like that, 15, 16 months sober, something like that. Um, and I had a spring and fall one every year since. Now last fall I didn't have one. I was in teacher training, and I just felt my life was a little too busy. And I also wanted to see, a little bit curious about maybe two a year might be kind of uh, cause it to lose its shine in a way, and it, it'd be more uh, more special, I guess you might say, if it's only happening once a year. I'm not 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 convinced just yet, but. Uh, and I had some like buyer's remorse or whatever for last fall after not having it too. Uh, and kind of in exchange for that same kind of deal, I ended up having a deer hunt down there and five of us, and there's a podcast on on that too that uh, we went down there and recorded that. So we had some of that same kind of fellowship. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I really do this day-by-day thing pretty tight, and uh, I don't get too worried about what's happening out in the future, and that's another blessing of this recovery thing is that uh, – you know, I know I'm having this one scheduled for in the middle of May, and I will we will execute and have it and do it. And uh, I do have a limitation that I have a little bit of fear about too many people showing up. We have a uh, we have two cabins, and I know another one of these miracles in my recovery and what I get to do here. Uh, and we got outhouses. We don't have any plumbing. There's no electricity or running water down there, so we had to haul water. You got to bring your own water. Uh, no showers, anything like that. Although, like last year, it was warm enough. A bunch of guys got in the pond and. Uh, so you kind of get to rinse off anyway and, and try to do it when it's not a you know at the pleasant like spring and fall when it's like medium temperatures uh, we go down there all year round but just like as a family and, and I go down there all year round takes maintenance and whatnot and uh, obviously I'm down there a lot in hunting season but uh, no running water and my big limitation is toilets uh, we have an outhouse at each cabin and you and but the cabins are like a half a I, quarter three-eighths of a mile away from one another in the woods and it's not so easy to get to so uh 25 guys in one outhouse for a weekend uh you know if you went that much did that a whole lot longer that would be a problem so i don't know i'll I'll let that you know i'll let that work itself out too anyway getting to do that looking forward to it uh 
starting up this whole TSSR thing where we're having these meetings where we're trying to get this 12-step principles out to just everybody. You don't have to be an alcoholic or an addict anymore. It is total juice. Uh, we have a few people come in, you know, and obviously it's still kind of dominated by by uh, 12-step people, which we need because those are the people who know how to do this, right? So we got to be able to do this thing about handing it off. Uh, another thing as far as like 12-step people and being invited and people want to come to this, you know, it's another opportunity for service where you can have people that, you know, uh, you can, you, you know, I think this would count as 12-step service too, you know, and I know the big book says, you know, we, we're helping other alcoholics, but I think at one point it didn't. Uh, if my memory serves me, there's some history on that where at some point it just said help other people, and and I like to change it up for me personally, you know, kind of like in the preamble and that kind of stuff, you know, or, or in the primary purpose statements, you know. I do have a primary purpose. That's for me to remain and continue my recovery, and to help anybody else recover from whatever I can help them recover from. Uh, because I don't think I have to have the thing they have to help them. Uh, I think these 12-step tools can be w with the right guide, with the right mentor, sponsor, whatever you want to use for that word, can help somebody else uh, use these 12-step tools to improve their life, improve the quality of their life. Uh, with whatever they're dealing with, be it substances, behaviors, or just plain what I like to say when some people are just freaking suffering from misery. Uh, you see them, they're out there. We see them in the grocery stores and people can't smile at you. And um, But anyway, that's another cool thing I'm getting to be a part of. I want to start a meeting. We could just have the one meeting going on in Louisville. You, know, you just got to take it step by step, kind of like when I first started this podcast. I had to, had to launch something, right, and get it moving before... Uh, if I waited for it to be perfect, I'd never done it. So we're doing that. And then uh, I guess the thing that really made me come out here and talk today was the fact that we had a fellow uh, drink over the weekend who uh, would be celebrating one year of sobriety for the first time ever this month. His sobriety date's in April. So here just in the you know, week shy of his one year sobriety date, he drank. And that interests me, you know, he was at a meeting last night and he was doing the uh, Burning Desire, which for those of y'all don't know, he talked about it and shared about the fact that he's back. And that's what we had to do, right? You had to come in and be honest about your thing, tell on your disease, start over, get humble, tell everybody what's happened and, and begin again. That's it. I get that term from yoga. Begin again. It's not me, how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up, right? So this guy, uh, love him to death, and, and he did that. He come back in and told a little of that story, you know, and what was interesting, and, and he'll hear this, and, and I think he knows me well enough that know that I care about him way more than the things I'm saying because what I will do believe fully is that this disease and these things, is this spiritual malady is somewhat like a parasite. I forgot that from a gentleman, that concept. Because I like to give credit where credit's due at times if I can, and this guy's on the Internet. His name is Paul Hederman, and I picked up this kind of this line of thinking from him about this thing, this disease being a parasite. And it latches onto us and hijacks our operating system. So it's really not me that did that stuff, right? And it's not Don that, ooh, it's not Don that does that stuff. It's not uh, Joe. It's not, these people in the world are not the ones doing it. It's this disease that like has a joystick, man. It's almost like the evil guy behind the curtain in a way. And I know it's not really that way, but that's a good analogy or metaphor of how this disease works is it takes us over. That's why that whole choice, I'm choosing to do this thing, kind of goes out the window. 
is that it's really not me doing that. I wasn't choosing to wreck my freaking life, man. I wasn't consciously saying, okay, Dan, today, or, you know, I didn't make some plan when I'm younger. Okay, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to start drinking and drugging so that the point to where, you know, I just wreck my entire life and nearly go to prison. And, you know, had not been for this 12 steps, I fully believe I'd be in prison. You know, I think I'd be out by now, but who knows? I may not. I was just looking, you know, potentially the top end of my sentence was 20 years. So uh, even serving half of that, I'd still be there and have a lot of time to go. Uh, these 12 steps pulled me out of doing that. So the disease has hijacked my operating system. So I just want this guy to know that, you know, he hears me saying this stuff. I think he knows me well enough to know that I'm on his side. I'm on his team. This is not knocking him. This is uh, attacking the disease. Because that's what I keep on having to lay him back on, man. I have to continue to look at this thing as a spiritually sick and this is a disease. Uh, because if I start looking at it like these people being bad or whatever, I'm gonna. Uh, that's a dead end road for me. It's a dead end road for everybody, really. Uh, so he starts out his little talk and he says, "So my sponsor, my wife is out of town and my sponsor's out of town." So instantly starts deflecting it to other people and why he's doing it, like a justification. You know, and uh, and I can see the disease, and so I can actually visualize this little thing. I like to almost, I have like cartoons in my head sometimes of thinking that stuff out and processing it. It's like you know, some weeks ago, because we always say these relapses are not an event; they're a process. And some people shared that last night. Uh, some weeks ago, man, the disease was standing around really with nothing to do and just giving some thought to life in general and philosophizing, and um, and he said, you know, man. Your wife is going to be out of town for a few days in a few weeks. That's going to be nice. Wow. What are we going to do? Uh, yeah, check this out, dude. Same time, your sponsor is going to be out of town. You, you know, this is an opportunity that you can actually do something, and nobody will catch you. Nobody will find out. This goes into that whole thing about the lies we tell ourselves, right? Uh, it's a little theme I've been running on for a little bit to come out of the yoga's teacher training the lies we tell ourselves and the Don what's his name uh, Don Miguel Ruiz I think is his name uh, wrote that book the four agreements and also won the voice of knowledge and it's all about the lies we tell it ourselves the, the the lies and the truth the differences that there's really no good and evil there's there's truth and there's uh, lies so the lie I tell myself is I'm gonna be able to get away with something because nobody's gonna be watching it was at a party the other night a, a barn dance where some music was being played and robin and i were there together you know and and, and that old thought come to me that you know that in this situation i didn't know anybody at that party at this thing we just ended up stumbling into it more or less this is no one of situations where i look around man and my disease start talking to me and going you know man and there this would be a situation where you know if i was here by myself i didn't have somebody safe with me like what i had robin was with me she, uh and vice versa uh, she had somebody safe with her. This would be one of situations where a disease starts telling me, hey, you, know, you can do this. Nobody will know. You know, same other, another one of those lies that told us a long time, kept on telling us that I can only, you know, man, you can just have one. One ain't going to hurt you. Uh, so back to the story. So first off, it lies to telling him about this deal on uh, nothing's going to happen. You know, nobody will be, he's got this alone time. Plus, he had this project going on where he was going to spruce up his kitchen. So he's got this whole camouflage and this uh, this uh, snow job going on over here on the side. So it'll look like, you know, you getting, uh, you know it's kind of like the same way I said when I was a workaholic in a way. Some of my workaholism was purely me 
using that to cover up my trail as a cover job. So see if I see how good I'm doing at work. I'm kicking ass and taking names at work, man. I cannot possibly have a problem. If I had a problem, you wouldn't be able to do the things that I'm doing at work. So he's got a cover job going on of the remodel in the kitchen. And it's interesting that it didn't uh, it didn't get appreciated at the level he hoped it would have been appreciated when he got home. Uh, and I probably should speak from my own experience in this, but I still, you know, I watch other people. And, and that's how I learn how to do this recovery thing is watching, you know, everybody's a teacher, right? I learn from some people what to do and I learn from some other people what not to do. So some days before that, people going out of town. So here's where it gets kind of hokey. He pre-thinks, and he's at the hardware store, and he goes across the street and gets a bottle of uh, vodka. And he's thinking he's going to drink it right then. This is what he tells me. He's thinking he's going to drink it then, but there's something in his heart that won't let him do that, right? And probably what it is is too many people are watching. Too big a chance of getting caught, and it's, the risk is too high. Uh, I don't know. That's me. He didn't tell me that. Uh, but but he didn't, and he took it home, and he put it in a cabinet in the garage. And he set it there. Well, I can also, here's more of the cartoon that I have in my head. Maybe I could produce some cartoons of how this works someday. Uh, so he's, he's uh, I'm continuing to look away from the microphone because i got a big picture window in my uh, shop here, and I want to look out the window and talk. Knowing uh, why I'm doing podcasts, I'm looking at another human being over there. So the, back to this, you know, so he's laying in bed at night, you know, and I know, like, she's probably asleep and he's awake. And, and he can hear that bottle in that cabinet out in the garage going, Hey, man, don't forget I'm in here. Don't forget about me. You know, and he goes out in the morning, he gets up in the morning, gets ready for work, and he goes out through the car, man. And and as he walks through the garage to get in his car up in the cabinet, he can hear, Hey, don't forget about me, man. I'm in here. Don't forget about me. You going to let me out of here or what? I know it talks to you. Yeah. So they all went out of town. And this guy's got, I'm, I'll get to that again. I'll get to that. So they, uh, everybody comes back home. Now, the sponsor's not home yet, but he's on the way back home. And uh, the wife and kids come back from their trip, and they're home. And from what I understand, it was on a Sunday afternoon, and they're sitting around watching a ball game. It's March Madness time of year. And he decides to go out and crack that bottle open and start drinking. Well, she caught him. Uh, he got on. The, the, another one of the cool things about our group, you know, at some point in the night on Sunday, not night in the evening on Sunday, uh, he pops in there and tells us he's drunk, you know, comes in and gets honest about it. Now, thing about it is is that you know we always say you know you come and tell me after the fact right if he'd come in and said anything if he'd let any of us in on the deal on the front end we'd have come in there and saved his ass i mean if he could have been honest he has he he's got you know i'm gonna say five to ten people deep easy would be at his door in a matter of short amount of time if he just said help and we have a little key around my, I was taught that I'm going to text 911, and that's just like code. That's a, a safe word, so to speak, that you can text to somebody, and they know you mean it. And uh, so if he'd have dropped a 911 in the group, man, uh, we'd, have, we'd have helped him. But you don't do that, right? You can't. Same reason. He's hiding it. That's We're only as sick as our secrets. 
So he's got a bottle up in there and it's talking to him for a few days and, and it, and it waits. And that's another crazy insidious part of this disease is it waits until his wife is back home again to get him to open it and start drinking. Uh, we're not very good at hiding that shit. Yeah, we think we're going to be able to. And uh, so all hell's breaking loose on this guy's front. Uh, she's once again given a reason not to trust him. Uh, proven, you know, and so this is a little bit gooby, but proven that AA don't work. You know, that's bullshit, but, but that can be looked at that way. Uh, he's proven that he can't stay sober. Uh, that's bullshit, but that's what it looks like. Uh, so we're sitting in a meeting last night. And he shares that, and people are going around, and they're giving, they're sharing from their experience, you know, and, and they don't know him that well. And see, I know him really, really well. And people are talking about uh, working the steps is the key to recovery. That's what you need to do. I agree. This guy's worked the steps. People are using specific examples, like, man, you really got to do that step three. You got to turn your life over. Well, from the surface and from where I stand, it looked like this guy had done that. Uh, people said, you need to uh, call your sponsor. You got to have a sponsor. Got to be using him. Got to remain teachable. You know what? When you take a look at this guy, he was doing that. I know it was. I know he was. Got to go to a lot of meetings. Got to stay plugged in at the meetings. Uh, that's something that you had to do. You know, somebody else shared that, right? And everybody's just sharing from their experience because this stuff is all the truth, right? And, and they're giving great advice. But the thing is, is this guy was doing all that stuff. Matter of fact, he's been, he's in his, you know, uh, way we do it in our lineage, you know, um, and I think it's everybody, but I can't speak for anybody but us. Uh, you know, you're doing your ninth step amends for some time. You're going out and making amends to people for some time after you've actually got out and doing 12 step work and have read through the book and, you know, technically have worked all the steps. Uh, I don't know that anybody can ever actually say they've done all their amends. We can do all the ones we're aware of, all the ones that are made available to us. Uh, we can do ones that are, you know, that aren't even available to us by, uh, sorry about that, about doing uh, creative amends, you know, writing letters or doing service work to uh, get get the karmic scales balanced out with our higher power on these harms we've done. But anyway, he's doing all that work. Matter of fact, he's sponsoring a guy, you know. New guy come back. Not you know, he's not new. We're always new. Hopefully I always feel like I'm new. Guy come back in and after being out for a little while and um and got honest and and we always like that, you know, rally up around a guy, you know. I mean, hell the fact of the matter is we all lie. We all lie. So you come back in, you're worried about it. Man, I'm gonna tell these people the truth. Uh the book says sometimes he may tell the truth. Sometimes he may. Uh, so he's sponsoring this guy, you know, and he just took him up through the steps in the way that we do. So uh, then they're in my direct lineage of, of sponsorship. And, and so, you know, uh, I know how he's doing it. I know the methods. I know what he's being taught. Being taught the same thing I was taught that I taught teach my guys. Uh, they did a fist step together just a few weeks ago. So the guy who drank Sunday done a fist step with this new guy so he's sponsoring guys and doing the work with the people so that's another thing it's you know it's another requirement i always say that this uh program is not a and sorry i yawned right there uh i'm not drinking enough coffee because i'm talking and it's in the morning so uh we always say uh 
this thing is not an a la carte program, right? I don't get to choose which of these 12 steps I'm going to do and which ones I'm, I'm, I'm not. And most of the time I can sit down if somebody's not having the promises come true in their life in a manner that, that's available, that I believe is available, has been available to me. I can usually sit down and talk to them, and, and this sounds a little arrogant again, but I can usually sit down and talk to them and see where the hole is in their program, what they're not doing. You know, so many people don't. One of the big, big, big ones is people don't meditate. And, uh, and, you know, I'm not great about meditating every day, but I have a solid meditation practice. And I've meditated every day for a long time. Uh, once yoga come into my life and some other spiritual practices, I've got to feel like a little more well-rounded. And, and But I still meditate on a regular basis uh, a number of times a week. And I use the meditation principles in my life at times, too. It's also what's created for me a pause button that where I'm able to actually breathe and stop when, when you know, I would otherwise react to things in life that, that in an unhealthy manner. Meditation has given me that ability to not do that. Meditation also gave me the ability to turn my body off and my mind off really quickly so I can take naps really efficiently. I don't waste no time going to sleep. But that's one of the places it's a hole in the ground or a hole in people's program is that they won't, they don't meditate. And you talk to them and they say, you know, I just can't meditate. My mind races, you know, and of course your mind races. That's why we meditate. Uh, or that's one of the reasons why. So uh, you can sit down and talk to somebody. So did you, I'm looking at this guy, you know, and I, and I know what he does. And, and these people in the room are definitely sharing good advice. They're actually, everything they're saying is right. There are people, sober people and we're doing what we do. We say, here, my experience is you do this and my experience is you do that. And they're walking all over the steps and they're talking about the other principles. And, uh, you know, people's talking about having a support group. Uh, so some, you know, I had so during the meeting at some point I raised my hand because uh, kind of felt like there's an elephant in the room or whatever. The emperor had no clothes on, and I'm sure that my friend was feeling the same thing as he's sitting there being shared to. You know, I mean that we say no cross talking, but you come in there and you present an issue like this, and everybody's giving you uh, everybody oh everybody sharing their experience, strength, and hope at you, and uh, we do that. And so I'm sure that he's he's got to be blocking and parrying in his head as people are saying this stuff. Uh, and I am, too, because I'm going, he does that, and he does that. And at the end of the meeting, they asked me, you know, if I, real quick. I like, man, I like the real quick shares in my pocket, but I'll try. Actually, I can. I've been trained well. Our uh, home group allows three minutes. We have a three-minute bell. Make sure shares tight and quick. You don't fool around with a lot of empty words. Uh, in yoga, we say essential language. When you're teaching yoga, you want to use essential language. If you can call the pose and everybody does it, there's no reason to give cues, point-to-point -point cues or anything else and tell them how to do it. Uh, call the pose. So I'm able to share quickly, even though this podcast is on in one hour and one minute right now. Uh, this, but this is a different format. So I get a chance, you know, and, and I do, I share that, that this is, you know, the guy's doing everything you think that a guy should do if he's sober. And I could write a resume and, you know, nobody's doing this program perfect, right? And the book says, and, you know, it says we are not saints. Uh, so there is not, nobody's working a perfect program. Um, but people are working pretty good programs. And this guy was working a pretty good program from, the, from you know, if you stood at the door and looked at him. Now, he has some uh, stuff going on in his life, but don't we all, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and I've seen people stay sober. Hell, I've stayed sober over a lot, uh, over stuff that should have crushed me. Uh, I've watched other people stay sober over stuff that should have crushed them. So I can't chalk up the things that he's, the difficulties he's experiencing in life and, uh, to, to, to this. Uh, the only thing I can really come back to, you know, he's sponsoring people. He's got, I'm going to venture to say the strongest support group in the world. I know that I kind of go out on a limb there. I feel real confident in being able to do that. 
Uh, same way I say I have the best sponsor in the world. And if you don't think yours is, go find him, him or her, because he's out. he or she is out there someplace. You should feel that way, and I feel that way about my sponsor, and I feel that way about having the best home group in the world, and I feel that way about having the best support group in the world. Uh, and this guy's a part of it. So he has, like, all the tools at his disposal, and the disease still got him. And that scares the fuck out of me. That it is so cunning, baffling, and powerful. That it is so insidious. That the insanity exists at a level. That you can be putting all the stuff in place. And still drink again. So my fallback on it is... is I guess it's a step one issue. You know, it's still thinking that you're not powerless over alcohol. You still think you can drink again. So I'm not confused in that. And also another thing, and my, my, my buddy said this about me yesterday, and I, I'm only saying it because of that. And he, he dops that because of me, and that's the way he shared about it. He said, uh, my sponsor's sobriety and recovery is not conditional upon things. And it's not. I, my stuff is not, my recovery is not conditional upon the outside stuff going on around me. Uh, no matter what is going on, it doesn't, that, that is not a condition of my recovery. Uh, I cannot drink again. I cannot use again. I cannot do that. I know for a fact that all the great stuff that's going on in my life today is because of that. Because of the 12 steps and the things that I'm, uh, you know, these practicing these principles and having this design for living that really works and placing it in my life and actually doing it. And anybody that knows me knows I am. Um, that lighthouse thing was not given to me by accident. And just as fast, man, if I take a drink, I believe the carpet will be ripped out from underneath my feet. I don't think I get to have both. We argued yesterday about that. You can't eat your cake and have it too. I think it's the correct way to say it. I think most people say you can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, but you just can't, you, know, you don't get away with anything. The karmic scales, this, this, and I'm not a big karma fan, you know. Uh, I don't subscribe to any of this stuff like wholeheartedly, although I do, I guess, at some level. But I think the karmic scales won't allow you to do that. Now, the same way you don't get to like do the marijuana maintenance plan. You don't get to do the, uh, Man, I just, uh, it's been my experience. I don't get to do the chemical, uh, the chemical solution and still have this spiritual blessings in my life at the same time. That's been my experience. Been my experience of watching others too. So as soon as I drink, my whole house of cards fall again. Because the phenomenon is going to set in and the secrets and the other stuff. And what a blessing it is that my buddy could actually drink for one day. One drunk and come back in, man. I heard uh, that's another thing, man. God, I'm so glad that they make it. We make it easy for people to come back. Because, man, if I ever need to come back, <laughs> I need it to be easy. I need to be welcomed back. Because it's hard enough to come back. Man, and, and that's a testimony to the strength of our group here, man, is this guy felt safe coming right back. Getting right back in the boat.
I don't know if I should share about this or not, but it's my podcast, and the likelihood of the people who matter are going to listen to it. You do have to watch out. You know, I like these two terms. You know, I've heard a long time for this collateral damage, and I don't want that to happen. I do like the fact that uh, I get to have like collateral benefit around me. Uh, things will, you know, this this collateral benefit happens as a result of other people doing this program and me doing it, and I get to have that uh, happen around me. So the very next day after this drinking, the guy gets a thing that he gets every year at work about a disclosure on some whether if he's been in trouble in the past 12 months. And he's afraid that if he checks the box and answers it truthfully, that he'll be, uh, he'll lose his job. And we are a thing, you know, it says we got to, uh, we have to operate on rigorous honesty. But man, when I have these other things happen for me, like this job ripped out from underneath of me, which is the way it felt for a day or so. Uh, but I realized that, you know, I'm getting the opportunity to go full time in this wood shop and, and ramp up this podcast and the TSSR stuff and uh, be an active role in my kids' lives at a level that, that I couldn't do when I had that full time job. And I'd have such a uh, calming you same another guy another guy got lost his job the same day I lost mine, you know, and he did a burning desire in a meeting that the next time around about losing his job. Uh I didn't feel the need to do that because I don't really, you know, I probably should. And it's a little bit of this. If I'm going to walk the, or if I'm going to talk the talk, I better walk the walk. But, uh, there's a lot of people in there hurting and I wasn't. And the fact of the matter, I can't sit in there and do a burning desire when it ain't one. Right. Uh, it would have been a little bit, uh, it'd been a little acting because I wasn't worried. I know I'm going to be taken care of. The best thing in the world is having this reliance on this higher power that I will continue to be taken care of as long as I continue to practice these principles. And, you know, maybe that don't look like the way I want it to look like. Uh, but but I will continue to be okay as long as I keep doing this. I have a full confidence that that's the case. Uh, and so if I'm going to look at, back to this thing, if I'm going to look at that that way, that everything, all this blessings in my life is coming about upon me as a result of me taking the right next step to the best of my abilities. You know, I mean, I step in a pile of it now and again. Again, I'm you know, there's no requirements for perfection. Matter of fact, it's actually probably a detriment. I have some perfectionism issues that are uh, considered character default defects. But I step in some stuff here and there, but it's not on purpose. And it's my motives. You know, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, I get to have all these blessings in my life and, and, and credit it to that, right? So who's to say that when you take that wrong step on purpose, and I know we're getting real close to talking about this stuff being choices and whatnot, uh, but, but if you take the wrong step, knowingly take the wrong step, maybe that rug gets pulled out from anything and the karmic scales totally shift, like a fundamental, just the same way the book talks about people having these uh, fundamental shifts in the way their consciousness works. Uh, what happens if the fundamental shift reverses? And a day after taking a drink, you get a job-threatening survey to fill out that you got to decide how you're going to answer it and where you stand on the concept of rigorous honesty. Now, yeah, you could say that that survey was coming one way or the other, and that's probably and that's right. Just a coincidence that it happened the day after he drank, right? 
Hmm. I'll tell you, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Can't hardly land that one. It's kind of touchy to put this stuff out there. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, probably time to sign off. I've been on this thing for an hour and ten minutes or so. Phones are ringing. Things are buzzing. It's time for me to move on to my next thing for today. Uh, I got somebody coming over in the studio tomorrow night. New story. Uh, I think it's Kim T. Love uh, hearing stories from people that I'm not uh, familiar with. So that's going to be cool. And uh, it's juice day because it is Tuesday. And my men's group meets on Tuesday nights. And we're working this TSSR deal. And uh, i got to do my TSSR homework. I've, I've, uh, I've slacked a little bit this week and, uh, and wait till Tuesday. Although there's kind of some good to do my homework on Tuesday because it's fresh when we meet tonight. If I do it like on Wednesday of the past week, it's all like a week away before I get to it. And... We discuss it, so there's three of us going through this book, this 12-step spiritual recovery book. Uh, one guy has uh, just celebrated 16 years in uh, February, and he's real solid, uh, the juice man. And uh, Eric is the other guy, and it's kind of funny. Those two guys have both told their stories on the podcast, so I guess I can talk about them a little bit. And, uh, and me, so Eric's going to be, his two-year date will be in July. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but that's that's the fact. And I celebrated four, so we got a 16, a four, and a two working together, going through this 12-step recovery, 12-step spiritual recovery book of Christopher's and working the steps directly out of it. Uh, when I work with somebody, I'm giving them, even if I'm working out of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm giving them the principles that are in this big book that Christopher wrote. Uh, but the details are not in the other book. I'm just doing that off of memory and notes and stuff that I took while he while Christopher took me through the steps. So uh, this book has all this stuff laid out and we're using it, uh, going through looking at how the spiritual malady gets, uh, effect infects us, even though maybe we don't use substances. And, you know, this gets into some more like uh, childhood stuff and, and pro family programming and um, how this parasite has uh, caused us to act in ways that uh, we wouldn't otherwise be acting so that we can do like the cover of this book says, reclaim our original self and soul. So a lot of stuff going on. I uh, just wanted to try this little solo podcast thing. I'm talking about thinking about ramping. I got enough speakers coming up that I may increase the number of episodes I release a week. Uh, I don't want people like out like months before you know they come in and record and their stuff doesn't get released for a long time. Uh, plus, stuff happens to you, so if it goes and it's almost like old stories, you know. Um, which they will be. They'll all end up being old stories because all our journeys continue. Um, but I'm thinking about doing some more of these solo things too, cause I kind of like doing it, seeing what your guys reaction is. I wish I could like put something up and, and surveys and I wish I'd get more feedback to be honest with you. I get very little feedback on what's going on. Uh, I get some and, and, and it's all positive and I get some, you know, a little bit of not negative, but critic, um, constructive feedback so that like somebody talking about the levels are being low and the intros were too long so i've tried to take some of that stuff and try to fix it and, and make it better uh if without feedback i can't get any better right 
So I would like you all to give me feedback and go to spiritualunderground.org and get a contact me. It's Dan at spiritualunderground.org. I know it's a big long at back there, but um, that's what it is. And uh, so Dan at spiritualunderground.org. I'll do the same kind of little commercials. There'll be Darren Frank's music on the front end and back end of this podcast. Give him musical credit and uh, probably be lead the way today. Uh, that's the name of the song. I think I'm going to put a wrap around this podcast and I think I'm going to go ahead and release it. Uh, and finally, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery. This book is sitting right in front of me right now by James Christopher Cohn on Amazon. Buy it. It is uh, the uh, unabridged version of the updated 12 Steps for everybody, regardless if you're captured by addiction, alcohol, chemical type of spiritual malady behaviorals like uh sex gambling overeating or if you're just plain miserable and uh, know that your life could somehow be better something is missing uh took this from i think it was it was either eric or brian brent weinstein i think that's the way they say their name the uh the sense-making apparatuses that we have been using uh have stopped working for many of us anyway uh i couldn't find a way i couldn't find some principles to live by and i was foundering and these 12 steps placed me in a way that i could live in some kind of a uh, organized manner in the book the the bill way bill wilson wrote it was that it was a design for living that works and that's a pretty simple thing to say and uh i'm having blessings beyond my understanding if i'd have wrote a script for my life today i'd have sold myself way short Thank you all for listening. Uh, love you. If you, you know, hit that email if there's anything in the world that you think that I might be able to help you with, whether it's getting you in touch with any of these people or just to talk. Um, my life is wrapped up about trying to get this message out to people today. Uh, it's part of my way I stay sober today is by giving this thing away. Peace out. In this broken world They pushed on you Shut down